Well, today we're continuing the I Love My Church series and talking about stewardship. We're going to be in Philippians 4, verses 10 through 19, if you want to turn there in your Bibles or flip over there on your whatever screen you're looking at right now. I'm thankful that we're going into springtime, because it's been a pretty eventful winter, hasn't it? Especially these last couple months where we just got really dumped on and and everybody right now is so anxious for spring to get here, and we started seeing some of it this week. And I think about the last week, we probably lost just about 75% of our snowfall, it looks like, out there. I know in our backyard, in our front yard, we had almost almost four feet of snow piled up in there. It was so uh, high that our dog couldn't even get in there to, to run around the yard. She jumped in on that first day after the big snowfall, and she literally disappeared. And she was clawing her way back out, and she kind of looked at us, and she's like, uh-uh, I'm not, I'm not even going to try it. So it's been a pretty hard winter, and now that everything's melting on the fire department, we spent some time this week filling sandbags and uh, out there scooping out ditches so the water could flow away from people's houses and, and try to save a few basements there. I've had several people tell me that they've seen a few robins coming in and some of the migratory birds that come into the area. I know Jen told me she saw at least one robin. You seen any more? Many robins? All right, spring is coming. Uh, one of the favorite things I love about spring was like this last Thursday. It was in the mid-50s, and I was able to shut off the furnace and open up the house and get all that stale winter air out of the house and just uh, be able to hear what's going on outside and have some nice fresh air in the house. And that's something that, that I love about spring. Spring has another thing that is uh, particularly well known, especially coming around April. Anybody want to guess what that is? Mid-April? Taxes. <laughs> April 15th, we all have to submit our taxes. Tammy and I submitted our tax return uh, within the last week or so. And one of the most interesting things as I was looking through the pages and pages and pages of our tax return, look through is you get to that point where it says how much you gave in charitable giving. And I always look at that and then I flip back over and what our gross income was and kind of figure out exactly where we are. And Tammy and I have had a um, just kind of a, I guess, a private goal in that we want to give more and more each year. And we want to um, be faithful in how God has given us or in what God has given us for our finances and what he has given us to steward. Stewardship is a critical aspect about how we live our lives before God. And sometimes the word stewardship can bring up some emotions within us because we automatically want to reach it back here and grab our wallet. Oh no, the preacher is going to talk about our, our money again. Or, or grab your purse and, or your checkbook and hide it because I'm going to ask you for more money. And it always seems to come back when a pastor talks about stewardship and how much we give each Sunday at church. And that's unfortunate because God does have a mandate for us to be a good steward. It is not so much about how much we're giving financially. Stewardship is about the direction of our worship. We worship what we value. And that is why stewardship is so important, because what we give our attention to the most is what we really value in life. And stewardship, if we were to define the word stewardship, it simply means to order your life in such a way that it shows everyone where your heart is really focused. 
It's part of your public witness about who you worship. And the Apostle Paul had some things to say on this subject that we're going to read right now in Philippians 4, starting in verse 10. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance. I know what it is like to be in need. I know what it is like to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Yet it is good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out for Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts, What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Ephroditus the gifts that you have sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you. We thank you, Father, that you not only give us spiritual ways of worship, but you give us tangible ways to show our worship. And we thank you, Father, that we can acknowledge that you are the supplier of everything we have. It's not just the money. It's the time you have given us. It's the talents you have given us. It's all the resources within our lives that you have given us that we are to steward for your glory. And Father, I just ask, Lord, that you would enable everyone here to hear with an open heart what you would say to the church this morning. We ask this in your name. Amen. So today we're continuing our series on I Love My Church and talking about loving our church through our stewardship. So why is this idea of stewardship important to our series about loving our church. As we established a few moments ago, stewardship means to order your life in such a way that it shows everyone where your heart is really focused. Is it focused on your life here, or is it focused on your life in Jesus Christ? The everyone in that statement are the people who worship with you in your church, in the world around you, and it includes your family, your neighbors, your friends in your community. And that's why this idea of stewardship or how you order your life around the things of God is so important. And the first reason why it's important is because stewardship reveals our heart. Verse 10 said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. And one, of the first, and one of the things that blessed the Apostle Paul about the Philippian church is, how, is that he knew how much they all loved him and loved his ministry and loved his work for the gospel. P- 
Apostle Paul knew that the Philippian church prayed for him. Apostle Paul knew that they were there for him. And Paul knew that they would support him in any way they could. And that support often came through material goods. It also came through making a commitment to send people to help him in the ministry. It wasn't just money. They would actually send people out to go with Paul and do the work of the ministry. It could come financially. It could come through all these different ways. And Paul wasn't so much blessed by the fact that they were rich and could do this because the Philippian church was not a rich church. They had one or two health or wealthy people in it, but for the most part, that church was very poor and could barely support themselves. Yet out of their poverty, they gave. A father, for example, would never send his son anywhere during the harvest. He needed the entire family there to bring home the harvest. Yet they would give to Paul by sending that son out to him and to help Paul do the work of the ministry. Or maybe a widow might have just finished weaving a blanket for a grandchild, but the Holy Spirit would, would move in her heart to send that blanket instead to Paul so he could use it to minister to somebody else. Perhaps there were skilled craftsmen in the church, and he would fashion things and for sale and then give all that money toward Paul's mission. All these people used what God had given them. He gave them the time, the talent, or the treasure, and they would use it to see God's kingdom expand and flourish. You see, it's not about how much you can give. It's the heart behind it. It's that, that heart that desires to see God's kingdom forcefully advanced. And Jesus is very concerned about this in our lives because it's an indication of which way our heart is really pointed. In fact, often in the temple, Jesus would sit near the offering chest just to see how much Jesus or people would give. In Mark 12, 41, it says, Then Jesus sat down opposite of the offering box and watched the crowd putting coins into it. Many rich people came, and they threw in large amounts. But then a poor widow came, and she put in two small copper coins, worth less than a penny. He called his disciples and said to them, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more in the offering box than all the others. For they all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on and everything that she had. You know, it's easy to read these Bible accounts, but not really personalize it. When I, when I read the Bible, I, I, I kind of step back and say, okay, let me put myself into this narrative. And so I did that, and I said, imagine that I'm sitting in church. My bank account says 0.0. There's nothing in it. All I have is $20 in my wallet until next Friday. That's it. I have no extra gas money, no money for food, no money for rent. And then there's a missionary visiting that Sunday, and at the end of the service, there's a special offering taken up to help that missionary get into the field, and the Holy Spirit whispers in my head, give that $20 in your wallet. Do I obey? Do I trust God at that point? 
And the answer to that tells you the direction of your worship. And it will determine your stewardship. And that brings us to our next point. Proper stewardship starts with contentment. And we see that in verses 11 and 12. Paul said, I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret about being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. You know, Christians the world over will quote verse 13 and ignore all those previous verses about being content. You see, we all want the strength of God. But sometimes we ignore the processes and the price that you have to have or go through in life to get that peace no matter what happens. There's a story of an ambitious young man who sought out his pastor for advice and prayer about starting a new career. He told his pastor that he was going to make a promise that if God would bless him, that he would give 10% of his income as a tithe. The pastor agreed. They both prayed together for God's blessing to be upon him. At that time, that man was only making $40 a week, so he tithed $4 to the church. God ended up blessing him in incredible ways. And in a few years, his income increased, and now he is tithing $500 a week. So he's making $5,000 a week. He called on his pastor to see if he could be released from his tithing process or promise because it was costing too much now. It was $500 a week. The pastor said, I don't see how you can be released from this promise. But he goes, what I will pray for is that God will reduce your income back to $40 a week so that you can give that $4 and maintain your promise to God. You see, when we put our hope into things of this world, we wind up like this young man. And as I, I repeatedly say in here in this message, stewardship is not just about money. It's about everything in our lives. Everything that, it's where we put our priorities. And we wonder why young people are falling away from the church. But then we let them participate in sports on Sunday morning. And we show them how important the things of God really are. You know, Tammy and I were in the sunflower last week eating, and we looked around, and every couple and even every family I saw were all staring at their phone screens instead of talking to their loved ones. They were focused so much on what social media had to say that they didn't love on the people that were right next to them. And I could be as guilty of that as anyone. Stewardship of time, stewardship of attention, and stewardship of what is important in our life is just as important, if not more important, than the stewardship of our finances. I once worked with a guy who was even more busy than I was. He was in full-time college. He had a young family, a wife and three kids. And he worked two full-time jobs. So he was never home. And I asked him when he had time to spend time or how much time he had to spend with his family. And he said, well, that's my wife's job, take care of the kids and, and run the house. And he said that kind of in jest, but in reality, that's exactly what he was focused on. The things in this world that made him happy and his family, well, they can come along for the ride. 
He was failing in his stewardship toward his family and eventually paid the price when his wife left him. I'm going to show a little bit of my nerd side for the moment. Does anybody remember the movie from the 1980s called The Karate Kid? One of my, yeah, it's one of my favorite movies. If you don't know what I'm talking about, I'll just kind of uh, break it down for you. There's a boy named Daniel, lives in New Jersey, moves across the country. His mom gets a job in California, moves all the way across the country to sunny California. And he runs into some guys in his school who are into a very aggressive form of martial arts. And these guys are the biggest bullies in the school, and they just treat them horribly. They're always beating up on them. They're always mocking them, always making fun of them. And he's, he, he lives his life basically in terror of these guys and trying to avoid them and everything. And then it shows how this boy Daniel becomes friends with an Okinawan handyman in his apartment building named Mr. Miyagi. And Mr. Miyagi teaches Daniel an authentic style of Okinawan karate, of, of being at peace with people and not only using it as, as a last resort. A few years ago, they redid the movie, except the Mr. Miyagi character was replaced by Jackie Chan. Everybody know who he is? In this version of the morning, he's teaching a young boy that had just moved to China from America the art of Kung Fu. And Jackie Chan has a statement in that movie in which he says that Kung Fu is not just about fighting. It's not just about defending yourself. Kung Fu is how you treat others. Kung Fu is how we treat ourselves. He said, everything is Kung Fu. And as I was watching that movie, it amazed me how a man who is not even a Christian can summarize the Christian faith in such a poignant way. Christianity is not just about church attendance. Christianity is not about how much you give in the offering. Christianity isn't even as, as much about how you treat others or how you treat yourself. If you are a Christian, Christianity is everything about Jesus. Amen. The expression of your faith is the practical outworking that we call stewardship. Everything should be about Jesus. So I ask, how are we ordering our lives to give the most glory to the one who gave all to be with us? I just got wrecked this morning in a way as I was preparing for, for church and spending time in prayer. I was listening to a sermon that the title of the sermon was Let the Cross Wreck You. And it was talking about the crucifixion from the Gospel of John standpoint and, and everything that Jesus had to go through. And he said the, the cross shouldn't be just a piece of jewelry that is, is pretty. The cross shouldn't be just something you slap on the side of the building or put or just hang up in the front of the church and it, it just has no other meaning than that. He said every time you gaze upon that cross, it should just wreck you to realize the stewardship of God and what he had to give to win us to him. I think about I think one of the problems that we have about being proper stewardship of time, treasure, or talents is that we think about what we give in these areas just disappears. I think sometimes we think that, well, if I spend, spend a, a Saturday helping out at the church or, or, or helping a neighbor in the name of Jesus, that somehow that just disappears and it doesn't mean anything. 
But Paul had a different opinion. He said that everything we do for Jesus, all of our stewardship of our time, our treasure, and our talents, it all gets credited to an account. He said, not that I desire your gifts. Paul said, what I desire is that more be credited to your account. Our God is faithful. Our God is just. And the Bible tells us that nothing that we do for the Lord will ever be in vain. God sees it. God is keeping track of it. And God is faithful to reward that which was done for him. Because God is the ultimate good steward. Amen? Matthew 19, Jesus says, Truly I tell you in the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And here's where the stewardship kicks in. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields for the sake of my name will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. God is crediting an account for you. And it will be, and, and it will be everything you stewarded to increase his kingdom. And not only will that be in there, but he said he charges a hundreds of percents of interest. It will be, it may seem like it just fills a small bucket, but in the kingdom of God, it's going to be a vast lake of blessing that he is going to give to you. And that brings us back to the central thrust of this series that we're going through about how I love my church. Loving your church will be seen in how we steward our time. Loving your church will be seen in how we steward our talents. And loving your church will be seen in how you steward your finances. Not just for the financial health for this church, but how, what that, or how God will use it to further his kingdom. It's all about Jesus, amen?